Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rees, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to one another. That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body, and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights, some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world, and some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. I'm so excited to introduce to you today's special guest, Dr. Valerie Rain. She is a psychologist, women's mental health expert, and business consultant, helping people achieve the best ROI by achieving their best mental health. Dr. Rain specializes in uncovering the hidden traumas that hold hostage to people's best work, relationships, and well-being, and effectively helping them heal with a powerful mind-body methodology. She holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Dr. Rain is a sought-after speaker at conferences and companies committed to diversity and inclusion leadership development, and unlocking people's potential. I'm so excited about this conversation, and I feel it is a much-needed addition to looking at how we are orienting around some of the trauma that many of us have been through, both recently and lifelong. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Really such an honor and pleasure to host you on the show today, um, Dr. Valerie. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here and to share your wisdom with this, you know, this audience. It's so perfect for the listeners and the work that you're doing. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Happy to be here, Sue, and chat with you and the audience. Thank you. Where are you coming calling in from today? I am located in Tucson, Arizona, in the healing desert, surrounded by mountains. It's um, gorgeous. It's a perfect day. 
Oh, every day here. <laughs> Tucson is such a special place. Mm, really is. So we're going to get into so much about your work and your book and all the different things that you do, but I'd love to just start a little bit with a little bit about your personal story and how you came to the work that you're doing in the world. Mm. There are so many places I can start my story. Um, and the thing is, I've always been a seeker ever since I was little and way before I knew what a seeker was. But I did know that I was pursuing the answer to this question. And the question was, what's wrong with me? Because somehow I, uh, I just couldn't, quote unquote, get it right. And I kept getting all these messages, don't laugh so loud, people don't like that, or don't be so smart, no one would want to marry you. And uh, with food too, oh, go easy on the cake, you're going to get fat, aka nobody will like you or marry you, or oh, look, you're getting so skinny, you should eat something. So uh, that question, what's wrong with me, led me down the path of psychology and two graduate degrees later, which lets you know just how much it was to explore and why, why I was so messed up, quote unquote. I was having the life of my dreams, truly. I uh, had a thriving private practice in New York, loved my work. I had a beautiful family, a wonderful home. Um, everything was great until one day I was on the phone with a client when I noticed I was smiling only with the, the right side of my face and the left side of my face just hung in there, as did my left arm. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in the emergency room being scanned up and down through every machine they uh, could stick me into. And hours into that, they delivered the official diagnosis of just stress. Mm. It was a huge relief on the one hand. On the other hand, a huge mystery because I did not feel stressed. I did not feel stressed. I felt exactly the same way I had felt probably my entire life. And... That put me in a deep thought as I finally had time to think and feel lying there on the hospital gurney. And the thought was, how come my level of stress was such that shut down the left side of my body and I wasn't even aware of being stressed? What's up with that? And another part of the question was, as that security blanket of stress and working all the time was slipping underneath that that question of what's wrong with me was alive and well and so the question was how come my clients were shifting out of this state of disconnection from the fullness of their lives from their bodies from themselves and stepping into their authentic way of being and um, playing in the world and I was still stuck, despite years in therapy, despite being a therapist and a yoga teacher and a mindfulness instructor and all the things and a seeker with heaps of self-help books and um, seminars and workshops and retreats. 
um, behind my belt? It was a hard question. Oh, it was a hard question to face, but obviously I was doing something for my clients that I wasn't doing for me. And the answer was, Sue, that I was working using mind-body energy healing tools to help people heal trauma. And here's the punchline. People I worked with, very few of them would have identified as having had trauma in the sense of big life-threatening experiences. They described themselves as having had a quote-unquote normal childhood, normal life, and yet all of them were showing symptoms of trauma, of which the telltale one is disconnection, disconnection from parts of ourselves, from parts of our bodies, from our fullness, our authentic expression in its unabridged version. And the fact that I have trauma or the, that telltale sign of disconnection had to get really loud by shutting down the left side of my body mm. to, yeah, um, start really seriously looking at the fact that, mm, I guess I too have trauma. And then the question became, is there a kind of trauma that is just so prevalent that everybody carries it but we're not talking about it because I had spent years in therapy trying to figure out what was wrong with me I thought I left no stone unturned in terms of trauma and uh, yet here it was so how the dots connected from there was research in the field of epigenetics was jumping off the shelves in uh, into my lap showing that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted. And boom, that was the moment mm -hmm. of connecting the dots and discovering patriarchy stress disorder. Women have been oppressed for thousands of years. And that trauma whew, is so multidimensional. It's so complex and is transmitted intergenerationally. So here we are, not even thinking about this aspect of trauma and how our nervous system relates to the world through its lens and how our subconscious makes decisions about what's available to us, what's not available to us. The whole upper limit problem as Gay Hendricks described it. Mm -hmm. Not even looking at that particular aspect and even the personal development and psychology. They mostly focus on you the seeker right what's wrong with you or what's getting in your way oh it's you you're getting in your own way that seems to be the answer of the day right and right. finally finally it changed everything I I had the answer to the question what's wrong with me and the answer was nothing there was nothing wrong with me there was nothing wrong with uh, those I was working with we didn't have anything to fix but we all had something to heal and that's something had very little to do with us. So that became a game changer in my life and for so many women uh, who have found their answer in this missing link. Absolutely. You know, I did, we'll get to your book in a few minutes, but I read your book this summer, I believe. And when I read that section about epigenetics and about how there's that now research showing that this trauma is definitely passed down in a more than just the stories that we hear from our 
lineage or grandmothers or whoever, but really down through this genetic line that's now been traced in the research, I, I was so blown away and so affirmed so many things that I've gone through and that my clients have gone through. And it was just similar to your experience, except for I was learning it from you, that it was just a huge breakthrough. And so I really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront of the conversation, because I think in a way, you know, what, what we've seen happen over multi-generations for women being oppressed is, you know, definitely impacting us today. And then to segue with that, so is what's going on in the world right now that is so tumultuous and so chaotic and just so draconic in a sense what's going on today in our modern day what we think of as modern day world where we're almost like going backwards I feel like in so many different ways um especially recently it's been really good to know that there's a a term which I'd love to hear more about in a moment that has helped me to work with my own um, trauma around these same types of things. Um, so, you know, you coined the term uh, patriarchy stress disorder, and that's the title of your book. And I resonated so deeply with the content and with all of the, these different layers that you're speaking of. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how that term came about. It's the perfect encapsulating so much in that phrase. Um, yeah. I'll turn it back mm -hmm. over to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sue. Um, the term just dropped in as the dots were connecting. Um, it wasn't the product of thinking really hard about how to name it. It's just grace, right? And um, I love hearing from women. Thank you for giving words to what I've known my entire life. I've felt my entire life but didn't know what it was. I, I just thought something was wrong with me, right? So this is my proudest contribution um, really reflected through these women sharing about their sense of relief and validation and restoration of, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you, right? It's something that patriarchy has done um, among many crimes of the system of, of oppression is um, lock women in the silos of shame. You, you're not, right? Because you're a woman, that means you are worth less than a man and um, there is more wrong with you than right. <laughs> and uh, sadly, you, we've seen it Many of us have seen it in our mothers and our grandmothers that they didn't feel that they were enough or okay, or maybe they felt they were too much or the wrong kind. And it's, it's this invisible oppressive presence that is internal as well as, of course, there's no deficit of external oppressive presences. Um, with what's going on now in the world, things are escalating it seems this is the pendulum swing from okay like women beginning to be able to breathe to patriarchy striking back um, in so many ways uh, seeking to take over control 
of women's bodies and destinies and ways in which we get to express ourselves and not. And not the least of that is in your field. Uh, there's this article that is making waves right now about the new uh, trending body shape. How about mm. that? trending mm -hmm. body shape? Um, which is like the 90s are back and the ultra skinny shape is trending again. So women's bodies are so commodified under patriarchy, which again goes back to a woman's, the woman's worth in the eyes of patriarchy. And the most dangerous thing, or one of the most, we can deconstruct the language, <laughs> but yeah. one of the most dangerous things is buying into that um, and mm, believing that we we do indeed need to comply with what I've come to call patriarchy perfect. That patriarchy right. perfect, you're only okay, you're only beautiful when we say you are, you gotta be white, you gotta be skinny right now because that's what's trending, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, curvy is out, skinny is in. Um, and we can talk about how racism plays into that too. It is just, there are so many rabbit holes in intersections of the systems of oppression, right? And what buttons they push to divide and conquer. And shame is a major vehicle. Convincing mm. women that they are not good enough if they're not quote unquote patriarchy perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's really big. And so a, a part of the reason why right now this conversation is so important is because we're getting triggered left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the fatigue, exhaustion that we're experiencing is from the constant activation of our nervous system in response to all these triggers and the media, social media. And again, like we're trying to relax, exercise, take a bubble bath, um, I don't know, whatever we do, right? But it's not enough. Oftentimes we're still, mm -hmm. right, burdened. And I, I want to point out that a lot of those burdens are completely not personal, right? It's yeah. response to this trauma living in our nervous systems, in our subconscious. And as long as it's there and it's yearning to be brought out and processed, it's going to be letting us know that it's there. And uh, chronic stress is one of the ways that it shows up. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's very insightful to kind of get this bigger picture of, you know, how many layers we are experiencing within various different aspects of our lives, different domains of our lives, but so many, the majority of them really being overseen and dominated by this patriarchal lens that is just really like, a no-win situation for us as women, really. I mean, that's how I see it. Because if you have the body type that was just trending a few years ago, and now it's not, how, what are you supposed to do? Like get a new body? And that's, I think, where so many people... Yes, the answer is yes. That's a billion dollar industry, right? Exactly. Like, well, how do you get a new body? We got one. You want one? You know, exactly. We got it for you. It's so overwhelming. And also it's so exhausting. And... Yeah. I, you know, just for listeners, I know having read a lot of your work, like some of the different things you point out, but I'd love to just like kind of touch on 
like what are some of the symptoms that people, I mean, stress is obviously huge. Um, are there any other symptoms that you would say are kind of like the heavy hitters within this patriarchal stress disorder mm -hmm. type of trauma or these ways that we can um, recognize if that's maybe what's going on for us, or should we all just assume that that is definitely going on for all of us? <laughs> I love the way you asked the question, Sue. Yeah, let's just, uh, yeah, let's just say bottom line, it is going on for us and it is showing up differently because we all have different trauma adaptations, which we either developed based on how we grew up or some of them we inherited also. Mm -hmm. And that's where things get interesting because uh, my trauma adaptations may look similar or different, right, to yours or somebody else's. And uh, so, for example, for example, just to backtrack and um, talk about trauma for a moment and the broadening definition of trauma, it used to be that the only definition of trauma was a life-threatening experience. And that's why I went to therapy for many, many years, trying to point, uh, point, uh, kind of discover uh, what those traumatic experiences were. And I wasn't finding any life-threatening experiences in my biography. So I thought maybe I repressed those, as Sigmund Freud suggests. Um, we're not going to go into Freud right now, but there, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot there in the in the founding father or fathers of um, psychology that is still uh, reverberating through the field and very negatively affecting women, mm -hmm. uh, consumers. Anyway, but where I was going with that is that the definition of trauma finally and thankfully has been broadening to include adverse childhood experiences, um, neglect and exposure to emotional toxicity and uh, divorce. And so, so many layers, so many layers of adverse childhood experiences. And they've done studies tracking those outcomes for people over their lifespan. Um, the famous ACEs study, adverse childhood experiences. Um, and when I was working on the book, I was looking at how to define trauma in a way that would be easily identified, identifiable, because part of the reason why it was so hard for me to get unstuck was that I didn't know I had trauma because I didn't fit the definition. And it seems to um, correspond to where the field is, how the cutting edge field of trauma work is developing right now to define trauma as any experience that made you feel unsafe physically or emotionally and led to developing trauma adaptations trauma adaptations what are those these are um behaviors thoughts sensations different patterns that we develop uh, subconsciously um, most of the time that are meant to keep us safe going forward, prevent those experiences from happening. For example, if you were doing show and tell in kindergarten and the kids started laughing and you felt like just crawling out of your skin and disappearing and evaporating into thin air, and now thinking back to it makes you feel it in your body, right? It makes mm -hmm. you 
shake or, or freeze or um, whatnot. Um, well, it's there's probably imprinted trauma in the body and, and, the, and in the subconscious. And now you may be getting invitations for speaking opportunities. And every time that you are to write an email to say, yes, please, instead you find yourself doing quote-unquote social media research for hours you never get back to that email the day is gone and then you're thinking it's too late now they probably found someone I look unprofessional etc etc maybe you do go forward and the closer you get the worse you're feeling and all of a sudden there is a mistake in the booking of your flight or you get sick your throat hurts you know, there are so many ways those trauma adaptations show up. They can show up through health expressions. They can show up from self uh, through self-talk in the critic and mm. all, all the stories. The imposter syndrome is a big one. And through behaviors, you know, let's say every time I am faced with this possibility of an opportunity I just find myself by the fridge with a carton of hagen dust in one hand and a big spoon in the other right behaviors can be different but these are just some examples whatever so you asked me about the symptoms so on the one hand whenever we are we're in the presence of opportunities that those opportunities have been prohibited and unavailable and punishable for women under patriarchy, such as expressing ourselves authentically, making our own money, remember, mm-hmm. today, right? And Absolutely. For millennia. Um, yeah, speaking our truth, being powerful in any sense of the word, powerful women were burnt at the stake, locked up in asylums etc etc anytime there there is something in our lives in our field of opportunity that we're moving into that feels unsafe to our subconscious based on psd we can go a couple different ways either the trauma adaptations are going to keep hold us back from stepping into that or we are going to push forward and step into that and then experience the pushback from our own nervous system. There are so many powerful women who have burnt out, who've suffered uh, stress-related health outcomes that were pretty drastic. I mean, my story is also a testament to, to that. I wanna take a short pause from today's conversation with Dr. Valerie Rain to tell you a little bit about my newest program, which is open for registration, Make Peace With Your Plate Women's Circles. This is a 10-week women's program to cultivate food and body freedom. After my own lifelong journey with food and my two decades of private practice, I know that food can be so stressful. I've also learned all of the different ingredients that work for myself and my clients to show you a new way forward, where you can learn to rewire your relationship to food so you can heal your food story, learn to trust yourself, and create lasting peace. In this program, you will go from feeling stressed out about food and your body 
to creating long-lasting peace with your plate so you can stop stressing and start fully living. This program includes 10 virtual live group sessions with me each week, weekly resources, reflections, and rituals to support your healing, five incredible guest teacher bonus sessions with our incredible list of women joining in with their expertise, adding into our content in the most dynamic of ways. Because when you alchemize supportive science, nervous system repatterning, mind-body healing, and pleasure, your relationship to food and your body can't help but heal in a sustainable and life-changing way. You can find out all the details on the homepage of bouldernutrition.com or the program page, which is courses.bouldernutrition.com slash make-peace-with-your-plate. I would be so excited to welcome you to this community and to dive in to this journey of healing your relationship to food and your body so that you can feel free and feel your best. Now back to today's conversation with Dr. Valerie Rain. So ironically, although we have so much opportunity now that our mothers and grandmas did not have, the more we step into that opportunity, the more our nervous system and our subconscious keeps signaling unsafe, unsafe, unsafe. And that unsafe shows up in different ways. Either because we're the nervous system is always revved up, we cannot relax. Mm. We either yeah. have unwanted weight gain that doesn't feel authentic or unwanted weight loss or different health expressions, or we have trouble accessing pleasure, turn on orgasms, accessing our vulnerability and connection with partners. We either, you know, kind of have given up on finding the one or we're in a relationship that's not exactly fulfilling and satisfying. There are so many ways, or, or maybe, you know, one, one of our clients has um, really demonstrated it for us so beautifully recently. Her life looked absolutely perfect from the outside looking in, top of her career, great family, now that I'm thinking about it, not unlike my own story, great family, love her work, um, great relationships with her kids, with her husband, health, everything. I had it all. And when she came to work with us, her desire was, she said, I want to feel something other than tired. Mm. Yeah. So that is another expression of PSD. She's done so much and she's had to put her authentic self on the sidelines so many times throughout her career in a very male-dominated field in IT. And she felt that something was missing, but she couldn't put her finger on it. And so many women, we kind of accept that success comes with sacrifice, like we can't have it all. Yeah. And this is one of the big lies of patriarchy that, you know, we got to sacrifice who we are. Right. That's a great distinction. Yeah. And so rampant. Thank you for that explanation. 
the fatigue example and story that you shared was a really interesting one for me because I see that in a lot of my clients and often in myself. And, you know, there's lots of ways we can justify that. Like, oh, we, we, we're, we're always busy or, oh, we're running our house and our kids are young or, you know, our hormones are off and we're not sleeping well or whatever, whatever the story is. But there is this very common exhaustion, you know, rampant in our, in our culture and in women. And that makes a lot of sense that that could be a very traumatized, you know, coming from a trauma experience and a dysregulated nervous system. It makes perfect sense. You know, one thing that I would love to hear more about in your book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment. You know, I love how you framed a lot of your book around these certain this metaphor. And that was the prison guards that you speak of as um, you know, how we are managing through some of these different trauma responses and these different ner- nervous system um overload, I guess we could say where, where our system goes into fight or flight and we don't know why or how to get it out and how to relax back into something that's more parasympathetic or calming or functional when it comes to eating or sleeping or resting or these very important aspects of our lives. Um, can you speak to that a little bit more and why you chose that metaphor and how, how that kind of works within this, um, this trauma response that we've spoken yeah, of. Absolutely. And let me share a study that I uncovered while working on the book. So it helps to frame what we're talking about here. Okay. In this study, researchers introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. These mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction, right? When the researchers took a look at uh, the scans um, of these mice, they also saw that they actually had more receptors, more um, centers dedicated to perceiving the smell of cherry blossoms. So these are trauma adaptations. They are not quote unquote, all in our heads, they are actually in our biology. They are in our bodies. These mice evolved instantaneously in response to this one traumatic experience. Wow. Now think about generations and generations and generations of women under patriarchy and the multitude of traumatic experiences of not owning our bodies, not having legal rights to our own children, not being able to work and get paid outside the house and not being able to love who we love, not being able to get a divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Women didn't have access to funding, could not take out a business loan without a male co-signer up until mid to late 80s, 1980s, we're talking about, this is not ancient history. So the traumas that we've uh, been experiencing for millennia have been vast. 
um, I cannot tell you what it looks like on scans, right? We don't have the before and the after mm. at this point from the scientific point of view, right? Mm -hmm. But what we do know, and we need to trust, I believe this is our evidence and this is our um, lived uh, experience right now, which to me is the best kind of science. We need to trust our own experience. We need to trust that if we're feeling off, um, that that maybe it signals something and not just cover it up, not just say, oh yeah, you know, everybody is busy, I am busy and I'm just tired because, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, we are busy, our lives are full. And maybe there's something else going on. Or yeah, well, I don't particularly live a life of my dreams, but who does? But who does? Mm. Relationship maybe is not the greatest, but at least I have a relationship so many stories and the truth is it can get so much better it can get unrecognizably better when and this is what i love about this work and i'm going to circle back to prison guards what you asked me about okay what, no problem what I, yeah what i love, love about this work and this journey is that when women start this journey maybe they they just have some dissatisfaction or some hope that something will shift in their lives. Maybe they want to find a relationship. Maybe they want to have a better parenting experience. Maybe they are transitioning to entrepreneurship and finding their authentic voice. So many um, reasons, right? Maybe they're taking their work in the world to the next level of visibility and authenticity. Um, yeah, maybe they just want to feel better inside their own skin and wake up and feel happy and not anxious with the to-do list running through their minds and go go to bed and actually fall asleep and have a restful night of sleep and have great sex, right? Very humble demands, right? Not even <laughs> demands, but hopes. Yeah. Humble hopes. And then the as we get into uncovering and healing layers of this intergenerational trauma, like layers of thinking about the mice, right? And cherry blossoms and electric shocks. We work through these layers of intergenerational, personal, collective experiences. And then it begins to open up. Oh, this also is possible. And this is possible. And their lives become unrecognizable. Like the woman I was sharing with you about who just wanted to feel something other than tired. So she started to feel. And she felt many things. <laughs> she felt among other things, she felt the outrage at her toxic work environment, which she couldn't afford to feel because of the trauma adaptations right? mm -hmm. for, for years. Um, the trauma adaptations were keeping her safe and she suddenly began to feel and she left, she quit. And she also felt this inspiration and this deep desire to bring her vision into the world of taking patriarchy and racism out of IT, out of technology, because according to her, we are literally automating all our systems of oppression through technology. Yeah. And this is a big issue. And she started her own firm and she's booking amazing institutional clients. Wow. And, this whole, and her relationship uh, with, with her 
children with her husband went to the next level and she's having fun she's having so much like self-care uh is like <laughs> when she was giving a testimonial at our event and she's like oh you know i'm a few minutes behind and um she looks so refreshing like i was just wrapping up a massage session <laughs> her life is unrecognizable these were not the goals she set up she set out to achieve she just wanted to feel right and circling back to prison guards what these are so i think about trauma as an invisible in the prison and we mm -hmm. only begin to experience these invisible in the walls when we start moving towards something more we start desiring something that is outside of the narrow perimeter perimeter allocated to women under patriarchy when we want something more mm, we begin to experience that pushback and we're trying to figure out what's wrong with us and if we need to work harder or use more willpower or fix our mindset and it's just a lot deeper and so these prison guards they are triggered by our subconscious that is signaling unsafe at the smell of cherry blossoms which for us is everything that we authentically desire that has been historically prohibited and punishable for mm -hmm. yeah and they fire up in our thoughts, in our minds, in our embodied expressions, health expressions oftentimes, mental health expressions, and uh, in our actions too. And so a lot of things that we're trying to change our behaviors around, or our thoughts around actually have deeper roots. That iceberg is really big underneath and it carries the load of intergenerational collective and personal trauma. And once we begin to get to it, thaw out the iceberg, and these things go away on their own like the inner critic goes away like uh, mm. the stress begins to melt off our women are looking more and more beautiful on each call as we go through the program for many reasons it's like and i think the biggest reason for me the way i see it is that more and more of their authentic self is shining through yeah and the stress just and the, the embodied armor just melts off and off it's incredible when we can really see this shift and it seems like somebody might look radiant or beautiful or lighter. And it's like this energetic, energetic quality coming through yeah. that they're actually living into their true purpose or their true self unabashedly yeah. out those limitations that are so ingrained in us that we so can barely even, it's like, it's like, you know, hard for us to see them at first, because they're so deeply ingrained in every part of our being and every part of our lineage yeah. and every part of our culture. And it's like turning on the light or something in the darkness of that inner cave and being like, oh, wow, there's something here that I never even knew existed that was holding me back. Mm. How profound to be able to watch women go through that shift very profound and I didn't know that there was more for me either like I thought I would be lucky just to have less anxiety I suffered from incapacitating anxiety public speaking what I could not speak in the room of three other people in the meeting without basically fainting or I remember like always wanting to participate uh, when I was um, at Columbia in grad school and sitting in this huge auditorium, raising my hand, although like being completely flustered and my heart jumping out of my chest, 
And if they ever got to me, I would then lose my words completely because my, um, my brain would just check out. I would disassociate. And I didn't understand about trauma. I didn't know about that. All I knew, I just wanted to maybe feel less anxious. And I also had recurrent depression, which they also told me, because this is a conventional psychological view on these things, that these are not curable. <laughs> oh, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a given. You got to take your medication and uh, go and talk to somebody at least like once a week, right? And there's absolutely space for medication. It can be really supportive. And it's not meant to cure things, right? It's right. meant to maintain functioning in the face of these things. And these things, many of them begin to melt off when we begin trauma work. And so I've discovered <laughs> completely unexpected outcomes in my life. And speaking of not knowing what's possible, in many ways, my journey was inspired by listening to stories of other women. And I would listen and I would go, I bet that's not possible for me, but I still want that. So I would just like, I'll have this new desire. I remember hearing from a woman um, about a man with qualities I had no idea existed. And that was that quality of being able to hold all of her emotions, mm. all of her emotions, her rage, her ecstasy, all of it, and love on that. Like, I, that was completely, like, I didn't have a reference point for that in my life. But the moment I heard about it, Something in me went, yes, I want that in my partner. And my mind, prison guards in my mind immediately went, that doesn't exist. And even if it did, look at you, you're in your 40s. You are uh, a single mom, like hot stuff. Come on. Um, even if he did exist, what would he want with you? And I said, that's okay. Yeah, if it doesn't exist, or if cannot, it won't work. I just will not accept anything less. So nothing less need apply. And then within weeks of shifting into that state of being, right, while doing um, like doing my own trauma work, I met my uh, life partner with whom we actually work together. Um, his name is Jeffrey, and uh, we've been on this journey together for quite a few years now. And that, so to your point of bringing the light, shedding shedding the light in the dark um, and beginning to see what's possible for me and what's holding me back. And it's it oftentimes is not what you think. It's not what you've been told it is, but trusting your own, trusting your own feeling when something feels right to you right, or something feels wrong to you. Go by these signals. Trust yeah. into that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. It really, I, I'm sure, opens up a lot of hope for people who feel like that inner voice of limitation, those limiting beliefs, that self-critical mindset that just comes in so frequently for so many of us, basically saying, you know, you're not enough. That's not possible. You can't. Um, you're inadequate, all the different layers of that. Um, 
it's very reassuring and hopeful to hear that there's possibility on the other side of that. Not that our minds are going to be clear as the blue sky every single day, but that maybe we have just a little bit more free space or a little bit more uh, possibility within, you know, our lives and with really, which comes down to within our own thoughts and our own body and our own sensation. Yeah. And our freedom, right? Our freedom of choice, which comes from healing trauma that dictates our choices in the subconscious. This is an exciting finding that I discovered while working on the book from neuroscience, study after study, they came to a conclusion that they didn't like because it kind of <laughs> turns everything upside down. Yeah. But the conclusion was that our actions are decided in our subconscious, not in our conscious mind. So whatever we think or don't think, whatever we believe or don't believe, is not as almighty and powerful as our subconscious is. Mm. So that's why this is so crucial, keeping on uncovering the layers that are governing us, directing us, driving our lives, either toward or away from our authentic desires because they feel safe or unsafe. Yeah. And layer by layer, right? We gain more freedom. It's not like I am, quote unquote, done healing. Every day I discover more layers yeah. More prison guards show up as I go to the next level of what I call how good can it get uh, in this in this book and um, in this work. And with each layer, there's more freedom, there's more possibility, there's more space for joy and connection and living in alignment. And to me, this um, this is this is the human journey. I'm happy to be able to have the tools that I have that have been tremendously helpful on my journey and for the now thousands of women we've um, introduced these tools too. I'm just so happy to be able to share them now with others. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That's really inspiring. And, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about when you speak to um, personal freedom or liberation. And in your book, I know you refer to it as digging the tunnels to personal freedom, which is still coming from that metaphor of the yeah. inner prison. You know, if you were to just help along the listeners as to what a good starting point would be or where they can begin this journey, what would be some places that would be recommendations for, you know, learning more about our own individual trauma, our collective trauma, this, you know, PST, and how, how can we start this journey to liberation in a way that is both, I'm sure very unique for each individual, but also I'm sure there's some universals within, yeah. within that. Yes, yes, of course. Um, I like to say collective trauma requires collective healing. Hmm. We receive this trauma in a community and we need to heal in a community. So in addition to getting your hands on the book or popping that book into in, in your earbuds, if you are an audiobook listener, I, I love audiobooks. So I uh, narrated mine and had a lot of fun with that. They put awesome. a lot of energy into that. So yeah, in addition to getting the book, which you can download the first chapter free and check it out on uh, my website, drvalerie.com, D-R-V-A-L-E-R-I-E.com. 
forward slash blog. Uh, we hold community events. Um, a couple of times a year, we have our bigger event, our virtual retreat. Tickets start at free, free as in free of charge. And it's a powerful experience that we cannot replicate in the book or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. an interactive experience where we get to be with other amazing women from all over the world, from different generations, different backgrounds, and discover those commonalities that you're talking about, Sue. So discover that something that we thought were our innermost super private thoughts and areas of shame and feelings something was wrong with us is actually so common. Is yeah. actually, right? It's not personal. And something shifts deep inside us when we have the experiential we have the experience of actually being with others and hearing that from others and seeing ourselves in others that we cannot replicate through a conversation or an article or intellectual knowledge so um, you can learn more at uh, at my website or the thriving that's what we call this event. And um, this is a great way to take information from the book and translate it into a uh, transformational experience. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. I've been seeing some quotes popping up lately, and it sort of reminds me of what you said. Like when we have collective trauma, we need to heal that in this collective community you know, and it makes sense. It's like when we have an internal conflict or an internal problem, we're so conditioned to heal and look for an external solution. And when you really break it down, it doesn't make much logical sense to do that. But we've been taught like something is making us feel like we're not enough or inadequate, or we have all these, you know, negative storylines running through our heads and through our bodies and and then we go and look externally to fix it. And obviously there's sometimes, of course, external, you know, coaching or external people in the world that can be influential and so helpful and so informative, but truly, you know, matching, you know, where this um, disconnect or this trauma or this part of our lives is out of balance with something that sort of follows suit in that same domain really makes perfect sense and so but it's not always easy to find community to heal within especially within certain aspects of you know different layers of our trauma because we don't always feel safe or we don't know yes. you know who who is going to be available for that or how that's going to resonate or can we be vulnerable and share our different layers of shame in certain places and like how do we determine that safety and yeah, so absolutely I'm sure the prison guards can get riled up on that one oh, <laughs> absolutely and you know I myself I have a love-hate relationship with groups <laughs> I know uh, my fastest growth and that's true for our clients happens in in groups and we do do kind of play with um, both the community and one-on-one -on -one containers together for, for like a real rocket ship experience. 
And it also can bring up a lot. It can bring up so many layers of the traumas we have experienced in groups and um, communities. And so, yeah, that can definitely become a, mm. an area of, shall we say, hesitation. So that's why we like to invite people to engage gradually at your own pace. Yeah. There's no putting anybody on the spot. You participate the way you want. Uh, camera on camera off share in the chat don't share in the chat just watch and listen or get in you know more involved if it gets like if you've had enough step away right this is the the opportunities that virtual events have given us that don't exist and then well they're different I love in-person experiences I love in-person events but if it's even more gradual in um, virtual because the person is fully in control of their experience, right? right? right. Yeah. They can Maybe. just like buy <laughs> my, right. my internet well, glitched. <laughs> exactly. And maybe we just can like ease our way in that way with you know a little bit more safety, which is really yeah. sort of the foundation, I think, of what we're saying here that we need to feel like we can do deep healing work is to feel like we are safe. And exactly. Um, so I, I totally get that. And I'll definitely include the links to that in the show notes, because I think there'll be many people interested in seeking out how they can further their journey in this way. Um, in that same note, I'm curious, like for people listening, when you are describing what you've healed and what you've gone through in yourself, and also what you've seen other women heal around their own different sort of, um, ways that their symptoms are presenting, let's say, you know, we talk about liberation and I know that also goes very well with your, um, metaphor <laughs> feeling like we finally can claim this level of freedom. What would you say would be some qualities of liberation that we can, mm. you know, believe that are possible for ourselves? Wow. Nobody has ever asked me this question and I love it so much. The qualities of liberation. Ooh, the <laughs> biggest one for me that pops up right away is being so attuned to your own inner knowing that we're in touch with our inner knowing at all times. Well, um, most of the time we, we hear it. We hear mm -hmm. our own voice, the voice of our own wisdom. We trust it and we're able to act on it. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that resonates. And being able to feel all of our feelings, having capacity for all of our feelings, grief, rage, ecstasy, joy, turn on, right? All of it. Being able to feel the pleasure in everyday experiences and the heartbreak in everyday experiences and the depth of connection that we have with others and keep on knowing ourselves and our own gifts deeper and deeper and deeper and being able to contribute in the world. And to me, our greatest contribution stems from knowing who we are and being able to show up authentically. And that in and of itself creates a massive, massive ripple effect and, and mm. healing to the world. Wow, that's a very beautiful explanation. And I so resonate with that, but, you know, just that listening to the inner voice that we always have there 
And how many times are we overriding it or shoving it away because of the conditioning that we are, you know, taught to listen to over, over that inner wisdom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really powerful explanation. Um, thank you. And I always ask this question at the end of my podcasts based on the name satiate. And that is, um, what does say, being satiated or what does satiate mean to you? Oh, <laughs> so good. I'm just feeling into my body. I'm actually feeling really satiated today. Um, like right in this moment, satiated through a wonderful conversation you and I have been enjoying. I had a lovely connection with my daughter right before we hopped on. I was felt delightful and yeah being in the flow of things uh, unfolding in the flow of things that I'm called to show up for and I think it's it's playing playing at this sweet spot of our capacity to feel things that is neither too little nor is it too much. It's that Goldilocks spot of feeling things that is just right. Mm. That is just right. And wow. it can be expanding, right? And at this point, it is just right. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Valerie. It's a huge honor for me to host you today after being so inspired by your work. And really, it coming into my life at a time that helped me make sense of a lot of things that I was going through as well. So I highly recommend um, your book and um, I'll be putting the links to all of your offerings and where to find you in the show notes, but really just deeply grateful for your presence here today and for sharing this conversation with me and our listeners and really for your wisdom that you bring to this conversation, but also like to your work and to women and to the greater good of healing for all of us. It, it's very, um, very inspiring. Mm, thank you so much Sue, for having me and everyone who's shared your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate. And may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season. And may we meet again here very soon. Take good care.